Folks, let me give you some friendly advice. Do not be the creative who spends thousands and thousands of your hard-earned dollars on equipment each year without spending one penny on your marketing. If there's ever been a time to rise above the noise and do something just a little bit different to impress your leads and wow your clients, I would say now's that time. And my favorite way to do that is by leveraging print promotion using the photography that I am the most proud of. So our amazing friends at Bay Photo Lab have almost every product that you can think of, from magazines to photo books to promo cards that you can leave behind. And listen, if you just want something to dazzle your office or living space at home with, well, they have options for that too. You can get prints and wall displays from basically every style, from canvas to metal to acrylic. And the best part is you can get 25% off your first time order just by going to bayphoto.com, signing up today. They ship everywhere in the world, folks, and all their products look incredible. So do yourself a favor, start leaving an impact, whether it's for your personal memories at home or for your professional marketing at work. Bay Photo Lab, designed by photographers for photographers. You are listening to Entrepreneurs, a podcast that inspires photographers and visual artists who live their best creative lives. My name is Michael Durr. I am your host and a full-time photographer here to give you some tools so you can build your life in creative self-employment. Beyond that, I get to sit down with an amazing community of creative professionals to talk about process, business, and the lessons that have helped them grow. So let's get to it. Entrepreneur Season 2, kicking off next. What is up, entrepreneurs? Welcome to the show. We are kicking off Episode 59 here in Season 2. Hope you're having a fantastic day and even better week or even a better year for that matter. Now, today, I'm going to be going down sort of a memory lane a little bit because, you know, sometimes you learn as much from the stories as you do the actual technical advice. And so I thought, why not recount my first handful of jobs in photography and assess what made them so bad and what I learned from those mistakes going forward? Because I think your worst jobs, your biggest failures are oftentimes the best teaching moments. Those are the mistakes that really give you a belief system, if you will. You know, it establishes core values. And I often say that the biggest difference between myself and, let's say, a younger photographer is not necessarily the amount of talent that I have or the knowledge that I have or the number of years under my belt. It's simply the conviction that I have on certain practices. I simply have stronger principles in how I conduct my work and my business because of the mistakes that I've made. And I think that's really valuable. You know, the mistakes I've made have been so embedded into my brain that I do my very best to avoid those mistakes from ever happening again, right? Like, so imagine if you were shooting a wedding and you didn't back up your images on a secondary card slot in one of your cameras and you lost half your take, I'm willing to bet you would never allow that to happen ever again. You would preach that lesson to everyone you came into contact with that wanted to be a photographer. And a green photographer would understand that lesson. They would hear what you're saying. They would appreciate the advice. But not having gone through it themselves, they may not have the same level of conviction that you do. And therefore, it might open them up to the possibilities to suffer even greater losses when the stakes are at the highest. So if there's any silver lining to the hardships that you're going to face as a growing professional, it's that you build a foundation of practices that will minimize your risk and separate you as a true professional. And at the end of the day, that's all we're trying to be is better at our jobs. So without further ado, let's get into some of my biggest blunders that I made starting out and the key lessons that I learned from them. Lesson number one, maximize your coverage. All right, so the first paying job that I ever got in photography was for a startup golf company. Uh, they had a very small following, a very limited web presence, but they were trying to venture into the media with articles and YouTube videos and all that type of stuff. And I was hired to shoot a round of PGA golf that highlighted specific players that they were going to blog about for that week. 
Now, there were many mistakes that I made in that first assignment. One, I did not have a contract. And then two, I basically shot for peanuts. But the real big lesson that I took away was how I shot the event. And so I go to the event. I have a general list of players that they're interested in getting some photography for. And what I ultimately did was I rented a 400 millimeter lens uh, with a teleconverter. And I basically shot everything stock tight. I mean, everything. You know, some shots were full body verticals and others were half upper body horizontals. But I mean, they were all tight. And the take, you know, safe to say it, it just sucked. It's no surprise. I mean, I haven't looked back on that assignment since I shot it because in my mind, it's like, why? There's no variety in the whole gallery. It's all the same shot. Now, keep in mind, I'm an idiot at that time, right? It's my first year on the job. It's my first job ever. I'd never done any type of professional work before. I'd never even had my work critiqued before. Uh, I was just doing this to have fun. And any thought of getting a little extra money on the side was just an added ego boost. So my expectations were probably pretty low. Now, at the time, I'm not even sure what standard I was basing my work off of. I know I wasn't studying good sports photography, that's for sure. I think I was just simply following the recipe for um, suitable stock photography, which you will either find out in this industry that can be very profitable at times, but almost never creative. It's almost never top-end work. And so even though I fulfilled my job description, I always kind of look back on that first job feeling like, man, I didn't do anything extra. I didn't do anything to separate myself as someone who could do what the client asked for, but also just a little bit more. I didn't shoot different focal lengths. I didn't change compositions. I didn't chase light. I didn't look for any sub story. There was no capturing the energy of the event. There was no storytelling whatsoever. And in my core belief system from that point on, how I carry myself today is to maximize coverage for any event that I shoot. And it's not all about checking off how many different looks you can get in a take, because then you can just deliver sometimes a variety of bad shots. But working that angle is part of producing a body of work that is a little bit more stimulating, more interesting, uh, and also just a little bit more accurate to the event. So as a result of that first job, after feeling very meh about it, you know, I've since tried to deliver a wide variety of shots for all of my clients to really work an event. You know, don't sit in one spot. Don't take the same shots over and over again. Don't use the same focal lengths over and over again. On a normal event, if I'm shooting a wedding or anything like that, I will use about four to five different lenses at any one time and at different apertures, different compositions, different camera angles. You know, it's just part of working the assignment. And I can also be shooting something very personal like a vacation and the same principles apply. And for example, I was just in New England. I was visiting my family and I was there with my niece and my nephew, kind of taking them for a walk around the neighborhood and it was snowing out and it was great. And I had one camera on me, which was a 24 millimeter prime. That's it. But even still, I was photographing them like I was on assignment. I was shooting high, I was shooting low, I was shooting wide, I was shooting tight, I was chasing light, I was looking for expressions, I was looking for action. You know, I was covering them as if they were like the Super Bowl, but with one camera. You know, as a uncle, you have to kind of prioritize their safety over shot variety. But you get the point. When you have an opportunity to make cool images, you know, you should take advantage of that opportunity. Don't waste it by making the same type of images over and over again. And so I keep thinking about that first job. You know, I had that opportunity to photograph professional golfers at an elite private golf course with great light, and I failed to make anything unique. And maybe that's just part of the artistic process, right? You have to make some real crappy images before you start making good ones. But that was a lesson that has really stuck with me ever since I first started. Lesson number two is to be present. And I learned this on my first paid portrait session. It was for a mother and daughter on the beach. And I remember being so obsessed with you know, trying to learn off-camera flash. I was at the time really obsessed with what was going on with, you know, Joe McNally and Dave Black and really mastering that kind of look. And I went to that session with all this gear that I really had no clue how to use. 
All right, so it wasn't as easy as it is today, where basically every flash has sort of this built-in TTL and transceiver that easily communicates with it. I had cables, an off-brand with transceivers, trying to work in unison, and they would fire half the time. It was all manual flash, which I didn't know how to use. And I was trying to be mobile with this big soft box with three lights attached to it. And really, if you don't know how to manage any of those things, the worst thing you can do is to bring all that stuff to your job. Okay, so focus on the only thing that matters, which is your subject. Forget the off-camera flash, focus on the people that you're shooting. You'll have way more fun that way anyways, and with really untrained subjects, they do not know how to handle photo shoots with a lot of setup. They are constantly waiting for you to tell them what to do. They get more and more awkward about it. You know, you're thinking about why your flash isn't firing, and they're like, what do we do next? And so admittedly, I was very flustered. I hated that feeling. I felt like the shoot went terrible, and I'm pretty confident that they also felt that it was terrible as well. And I just, I hate that feeling. I, I like being in a rhythm in my shoots. I like getting into a groove. I like building that continuity with the subjects. And the quickest way out of that groove is to be focused on these preconceived shots in your head that, you know, maybe only Dave Black or Joe McNally can get when all you really need to do is to be present, you know, to listen to what your subjects are saying. Maybe not like literally, but, you know, paying attention to what they're giving you, right? Find the right buttons to push, see what gets them excited, engaged, happy, emotional, whatever that is. And that's what I'm here to do. I'm not here to blast them with artificial light. That's going to probably look terrible anyways. And if I use the example that I mentioned before, how I was taking my niece and nephew out for a walk, you know, I used that one camera and I maximized that one lens. That was just a part of being present. I'm not focused on the lenses I don't have. I'm focused on the moments. I'm focused on what's happening right in front of me. And there's a saying that goes, and I'm paraphrasing here, the best camera or the best lens is the one that you have on you. So I did a major disservice to my subjects by focusing so much on trying to create this unique lighting that I completely botched the assignment. And it's a gut-wrenching feeling, you know, knowing you're doing a bad job for someone. So it's easier said than done, but being present is always a good thing when you're photographing people. Don't fixate on the gear. Stay engaged with the people in front of your lens. Lesson number three, follow the shot list. Now, this wasn't one of my first jobs. This might have been in year two of my business, but, you know, it really stands out to me because it was the first time that I had a client vocally unhappy with my execution. And I've always received a fair share of constructive criticism, but this was the first time I would say that I felt like I did the client wrong. And this is kind of where you realize that you're always learning your craft. You're always trying to get better because I actually applied the lesson that I mentioned in my first job, which is to maximize coverage. So I really did the best that I could. I got the best possible shots that I could for the client. I really worked the event. I got them as much variety as I could muster. It just so happened that that wasn't really on their list of their priorities. So the mistake that I think I made was I inserted myself into the role of their head marketing person when I should have just been their photographer. I was basically assuming, oh, because these shots I think are really cool, that's what they'll use. That's what they'll appreciate. And ultimately, that wasn't the case. They came back upset that many of the shots that they listed, specifically their sponsor activation shots, were simply not delivered. And so I had to apologize for not prioritizing those shots that they requested. You know, I basically assumed incorrectly that the best images would be their most valued images. And as expected, I never heard from that client again. I was never on their good terms to get another shot, even after I offered them a makeup shoot for their next event. And so that lesson is seared into my brain that even though shot lists can be admittedly some of the most excruciatingly boring things to capture, you have to respect them because that's what the client is paying you to do. And at the very least, you have to have the communication with your client to kind of assess how important is this shot list to them? Is this shot list more important than capturing great moments or golden hour light or whatever it might be? You know, some clients are going to say yes, some will say no, but you just want to communicate with them to know what their level of emphasis is on the directions they are giving you. 
And so that's a valuable lesson in itself to not assume you have all the answers photographically just because you have the better eye. You sort of have to be this extension of your client in the field. It's not all about you building your portfolio. So nail the shot list, make your client happy, and then you can pursue bonus coverage. And I'm not always great at this because sometimes client shot list can be, you know, really extensive and it can be difficult looking at your phone, the whole shoot, trying to check things off. But you do the best that you can for the people that are entrusting you to deliver. So those are just a few of the big takeaways from my early mistakes. I think I'll uh, I think I'll do this again down the road in regards to all the mistakes that I've made on the business end of things, because that's always a fun journey. Uh, but I really like to emphasize these aspects of the job because, you know, they're really important. There are foundational aspects to being a trustworthy and sought after photographer which I am not claiming I am a paradigm for. I'm just saying that these are really important. And uh, so if you can communicate with your clients, if you can be present with your subjects, if you can go the extra mile, those are, to me, um, a cumulative bedrock of what I think makes a photographer very trustworthy. So what do you guys think? You know, what mistakes have you made that were maybe the best teaching lessons for you? You don't have to send them out to me, but you can just ask yourself this, you know, don't hide from them. Don't bury them in your memory. Just ask yourself, honestly, what mistakes have I learned the most from? Uh, because it's what makes your journey special. It's what's going to give you convictions that I think can help you through your art and your business. So as Nelson Mandela says about failure, I never lose. I either win or I learn. And so I think that's going to be a good spot to wrap this episode up for today. That is my time. I want to thank you all for tuning into the show, for supporting this content. Thank you so much. Entrepreneurs rolls on with more episodes in season two. Thank you again, everybody. I'll see you next week. What's up, entrepreneurs? Thank you for tuning in and making it all the way to the end of the episode. If you enjoyed the content you just listened to, hit subscribe and tune in again next week. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Entrepreneurs Pod for updates, promos, and giveaway contests that we run throughout the year. And if you haven't already, be sure to check out our really cool website, EntrepreneursPod.com. It's a great resource for you to download informational PDFs and booklets, access discount codes from our amazing affiliates, and read what our audience is up to on our community blog. For now, I just want to say thank you for tuning in, supporting the show, and being a part of this journey. This is Michael Durr signing off for now, Entrepreneurs Season 2. Let's go. This episode of Entrepreneurs was brought to you by Bay Photo Lab. First-time orders receive 25% off on any professional photo printing product or service. Yes, I said 25%. Just go to bayphoto.com to browse the amazing selection of gifts, prints, and displays. That's bayphoto.com once again. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.